I'm going to start tonight with a very uplifting message. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. And here's the news. You're wasting away. Isn't that good to know? In fact, the uh, scientists and those guys who know such things and do such things say, men, by the age of 19, you're at your peak. Downhill from there. Women, I think you got three years after that. And then you go downhill. We're all wasting away, is what Paul says. But there's a context to that that we need to hear. Physically, we are wasting away. But the good news is, God really doesn't care about that. God doesn't care about what happens to this body, what this body looks like. Think about Paul. He got beat up a lot. Left for dead a lot. I imagine he was not going to be on the picture of GQ. He knew what it was to suffer. And he had talked about that in the little bit of the section before this. He talked about the fact that we have this treasure in jars of clay. That's an amazing thought. That God puts his treasure in us. And he changes us. So, starting out with uh, 2 Corinthians 4, uh, look at verse 16, it says, Therefore, we don't lose heart. All these things are going on around Paul, and he says, but you know what? It doesn't matter. Because I know what's important. Outwardly, he says, we are wasting away. Yet, inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. If you're lucky in your life, you find a few Christians who understand that principle and help you learn what it is to age well, who don't give up, who don't sit back and stop, who continue the race. Not everybody does that. But Paul had an understanding that's important for us to hear. That our life, what we are, is being renewed day by day. That's a powerful statement. Even though outside, we're not what we once were. And then notice what he says in in chapter 17. He makes a comparison. There's three comparisons going on here. He says, for our light... And momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. There's three comparisons made there. For our light, momentary troubles. The things we face in this life, Paul's calling them light. How dare he? I can tell you how dare he because he experienced a lot more than any of us have. And yet he still calls them light. Why? Because inwardly he's being renewed day by day. But he compares that light with what's eternal. He says it outweighs them all. You put it on scales, 
That's why you can call it light. Because our present suffering isn't worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us, he says in Romans 8. And that's exactly what he's saying here. You put it on scale, it does, you can't, there's no question of the worth, the value, the weight of having a relationship with God. And then he uses the word momentary and compare that to what he says with the word eternal. When you were two years old, what was a long time to you? You don't remember, but you've seen two-year-olds. What's a long time to them? Two minutes. How much longer? How much further? You say you're going to Disney World to a four-year-old three months in advance, and you've made a tragic mistake. Momentary versus eternal. Folks, we're the two-year-old. It's hard for us to grasp that. But that's why Paul's telling it to us. You got something. Even though what you're dealing with, and Paul is not making light of what we deal with in this world because he's been through it and he understands it, but he's saying you need to understand there is something so much greater. Something so much better than that. And then the third comparison he, he makes is troubles and glory. Yeah, you're having troubles. I'm having troubles. Life is not fair. Sometimes caused by us, sometimes caused by others, but it's trouble. But there is a glory that when you look at that, you'll say, what troubles? What concerns? The comparison is, is unbelievable. You can't fathom it in our minds. But Paul's trying to tell us that. And so he goes on in verse 18 and says, Therefore, or so, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. What's the first thing you do when you see somebody for the first time? You size them up. Do you size them up spiritually? No. You size their physical appearance up, don't you? Now, you may start thinking about their spiritual side, and hopefully you do, but the first thing that comes to your mind is, okay, who's this? How big? You know, all these things. You boom, boom, boom. Without even thinking, that goes through your mind. Because it's seen. Paul's saying, we don't fix our eyes on what's seen. We fix our eyes on what's unseen, what's lasting, what's eternal. Because he says, what's seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The cosmetics industry does not want me to say that. Because they make billions off of us trying to prove that statement wrong. But the good news is God says, I don't care about your cosmetics on the outside. I care about who you are on the inside. And that's what Paul is trying to get across to the Corinthians. He then goes to a metaphor that I want to talk a little bit about today. Because I am somebody who likes to hike. Um, it is my release valve. When I was in the pastorate, that was where I went 
you cell phones don't work. It's a beautiful place when you go in those types of environments. And you just get away and think. And as you're walking, you can talk and pray and do everything with God along the way. Beautiful experience. And I have wanted to camp, to hike, spending the night. And I've done it a couple times in my life, but the last time I did it, I don't really count because I went to Davison Campground, which is in uh, Pisgah Forest. And those of you who know uh, Davison River, this campground is only a mile and a half from Walmart. And a mile and a half from Pizza Hut. So I, I spent the night in the woods, but I ate at Pizza Hut before I went there. And then in the morning, I got up and I had breakfast at IHOP, or Waffle House, I can't remember which. That's really not tent camping. Why didn't I, I enjoy the hike, but tent camping is a little nervous to me. One, I haven't done it in a long time, and never for a long period of time. What do you take? What about the weather? You know, for me, tent camping, I would want it to be 75 during the day and maybe 60 degrees at night. Get us in between that, not for me. The problem with tent camping is it might pour down rain in the middle of the night. And that covering you got, no matter how good it is, you're going to get wet. It's not fun in that moment. Well, Paul takes that idea and runs with it. He says in verse 1 of chapter 5, he says, Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. This is an earthly tent. It leaks. It provides protection. It, does, it gets things done. But it's not permanent. It's not lasting. It's an earthly tent. Yet think about how much time we spend trying to make this tent better. I'm guilty of it. There's nothing wrong with trying to keep state in shape, at least I hope not, because that's what I tried to do. But do we get fixated on who we are in this body versus understanding what really matters, the seen versus the unseen. And that's the way that Paul takes this metaphor and runs with it. He says, we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Um, a building from God. Eternal. Eunice and I have lived in the same house now for 23 years. It's been a nice house. It's 25 years old. But folks, I'd say in 50 years, it's probably not going to be here. Somebody's either going to bulldoze it down or something's going to take it along the way. That's just reality of the world we live in today. Even that 75-year span, that's a long time. But is it? Well, Paul's not talking about a house that he would love to have had. 
He's talking about a tent that people lived in, worked in. And, and he's saying that's what we have, but the good news is we have a house that's from God in heaven. What better address could you have? And not built by human hands. I don't know if any of y'all are in builders in here or not. I, I don't know who is, who isn't. I pretend to be able to build some things. I would not dare build a house. I have built some benches. I have done this. I have done that. And folks, it's passable. It has lasted. It hasn't fallen down. Some of the stuff I built lasted for 20 years. And hey, that's pretty good. But are the angles all right and all that stuff? No. You wouldn't want me to come build your house. What Paul's saying is, you don't have to have the concern of who's building your house because God's building your house. And it's eternal. And it's in heaven. What more do you need to know? Therefore, are we going to spend all our time focusing on the tent? Or are we going to spend our time focusing on our home? And it is so easy for me and probably for you to spend too much time focusing on the tent, on where I am right now, what I see in front of me, and forgetting that this isn't my home. I'm just camping here. Each one of us, whether you like camping or not, folks, you're camping. You're camping on earth every day. Now, that doesn't mean you don't make the most of your camping experience, but it does mean that you remember this isn't home. That there is a home that's better than this. Now, I, got, I brought a couple of props. This is not the first lamp I've ever had. As you can see now, the battery's dead. But it was a big step up from what I had before was a little light bulb about like that that it took four uh, D batteries to run whenever I went hiking uh, camping somewhere if I ever did never did but just in case well then I stepped up to this fluorescent thing because I was going to be ready look how big that is it's heavy now this thing's what they have now and it shows off a lot more light than this thing ever would. And it's a lot lighter. And it goes where you go. You imagine carrying this around in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom? You don't have to do that anymore. You strap this to the head and you go. It's even got a red light so you don't do, get your eyes adjusted, all that stuff. It's crazy what is there today. That's a technology change to make camping better in this world. There's another thing I brought. This. Anybody know what this is? It's a plastic tube. But this is an amazing instrument that has changed camping. You no longer have to carry your water with you. All you do is you open one side up and you pour water from a lake, pond, creek, wherever in one side and it comes out pure on the other and you can drink it. That's amazing. 
Used to, you had to worry about bringing water with you or bringing a pot so you could then boil water, and it would take time. Now, in five minutes, you've got a quart of water out of this little instrument. It's amazing how we've made camping better. But think about that and what we try to do with our lives. How much time do we spend trying to make our lives on this earth better in the wrong way versus focusing on our home in heaven and spending the time on it? I've got a couple of pictures I want to show you. Um, these are from Zambia. And show the next picture, too, because this is a little bit better for my illustration. But this, now, most people in Zambia, I don't believe, live this way still, but this is one place that they do. And those are clay huts. They're, the, the brick, they're sort of clay mortar brick that they make themselves, and then they put a thatch roof on it. And that's their house. You want to live there? No air conditioning. When it rains, if it rains a lot during the rainy season, which it does, you're going to have leaks. That's what they know. Now, if I were to describe them, now let's pretend that these people have never seen a, a regular house because in reality they have because if, you mar if, if they were to walk about three miles down the road, which they do every day, they would find a house. But let's pretend they've never seen a house in their lives other than what you got here. And you tell them, we're going to move you to the Biltmore house. How are you going to describe that to them? What that's like? You could say, and this is all true, at least this is what uh, Wikipedia says, <laughs> that it has 250 rooms. It has 35 bedrooms, 43 baths, 65 fireplaces, and and living space of 135,000 square feet. Are they going to be able to compute that? No. Flat over their heads. Folks, are we able to compute our house in heaven? We can't. But we know it's there. Why? Because God has spent his time to say it's there. Because we know the builder. It's there. So why do we spend so much time trying to fix up our measly little tent? And I'm guilty of that. And that's what Paul's trying to get this church to understand. Focus on the big house, on your home, and what's important there. He goes on, verse 2 says, Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed in our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. I decided not to use that as my primary illustration today, but you get the point. Better have clothes than be naked. He goes on and says, For while we're in this tent, he goes back to that tent metaphor, we groan in our burden, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. I don't, I don't know why this comes to me, but what I think of when that 
when I when I see that is you, you're in a pond and and uh, you see a little one of them little minnows swimming along and then you see a big bass come on, whoop, gone, it's swallowed up. What we think is so big is gone in an instant, and thank God that it is. There's no more suffering, no more sighing, no more tears. We are clothed in our heavenly dwelling. Death has been swallowed up by life. That's what it's about. And it's important for us, and one of the reasons I wanted to sort of preach this message tonight is because I would assume most people in this room have been Christians for a while. If you're coming on Sunday night, you've been Christian for a while probably. But we need to remember what it's about. To keep our focus in the right place. I need to remember that. Um... And as Paul sort of makes this conclusion, as as he's wrapping all this up, he he says, now it is God, in verse 5, he says, now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, and we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Paul said, I'd rather be at my heavenly home. But I'm not. But I remember why I'm here. I'm here for the purpose that God has given me. And God, I like how he says it, God has has given us a spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. We can't picture heaven. Now, there have been lots of people, the Bible even tries to describe it to us, but folks, I can't picture it. And when we try, I think we fail at it miserably. But I know who made it. And he's given me and given anyone who believes in him a sense of what it's already about because he's come and dwells within us. Paul says we're his temple. So we've already got a sense, just a little bit, but enough to understand what is yet to come. So that while we do groan inwardly and we deal with all that we deal with in life, we can have the perspective that Paul has that says we live by faith, not by sight. Therefore, I'm not as concerned about this world as I am about where I really belong. My citizenship, Paul says, is in heaven. That's his focus. And so he says in verse 9, we make it our goal to please him. Whether we're at home in the body or away from it, whether we're in this tent or whether we're not, doesn't matter. My focus is on pleasing God, who is the one who has built me in a home, who is my father. 
And he says, because we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. You've heard it said, you can't take it with you. That nobody's died with a hearse going along behind them. Uh, nobody, excuse me, with a U-Haul behind the hearse. You've heard that said, right? It's not all true there. What you do in this life does matter. How it matters, we don't really fully understand, but it matters. There is clear that there are treasures in heaven based on what we've done in this life. And how well we've understood what Paul's just tried to say, that don't store up treasures for yourself on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but rather store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Let's see, who said that? Jesus. perspective it is so hard to have because everything shouts at us with our eyes and with the way society works that this is permanent what we're in now that this is what really matters especially when you deal with a society that more and more believes there's nothing eternal then this really is all that matters if you believe that but as Christians we know different question that we struggle with and should struggle with every day is do we live that difference do we believe this is our home or do we believe heaven's our home it's easy to pass that question up and just get caught into society's flow and live the way society does But God send us reminders through his word, through the preaching, through each of us sharing our lives that this isn't what it's all about. That there is something more. And so why, while we are wasting away, we really aren't. Because we're being renewed day by day. And while this tent that we live in has its holes and lets the rain in, it's not where we're going to finally live. We already have a home built for us. Remember what Jesus said when he was talking to his disciples about where he was going? I go and prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may be also. What more could we ask? He talked about that gift this morning, the gift of grace. But that gift is something that continues to give, not just for a moment in time when our lives are changed, but it, it's forever, literally. We have a heavenly home not built by us, thank goodness. <laughs> And God is there 
and we shall see him face to face. As we struggle in this world, and we do, may we try to have the attitude that Paul has. In the midst of those struggles, remember what really matters, what really lasts. Let's close in prayer. Father, do thank you that as we come tonight, we come as a people who have the opportunity to live in a home that you have built. Forgive us for the times when we lose perspective of what that means in our lives. When we put too much time and energy into our present situation and not really thinking about our eternal situation. Putting things and time and energy and things that are seen that we can grasp, that we can earn in terms of financial reward here versus understanding what we can earn in terms of spiritual reward for you eternally. God, thank you that you've given us that opportunity for our lives to be different, for our lives to be changed, and for us to have a new home. We look forward to that day, but as we live in this day, May we do everything based on our citizenship with you, our home with you, and not what is going to die and go away. In your son's name we pray. Amen. God bless.